Hey guys, welcome to the Truth About Real Estate podcast. Today I have a special guest, Matthew Sullivan, who is the founder of Quantum RE, and he's definitely came from a great background. He worked alongside Richard Branson, who I'm sure most of you guys know. Um, he worked directly with him on Virgin Global Challenger, Virgin Clothing Company, Virgin Cosmetics, Virgin Helicopters, Virgin Executive Jets, and so much more. And we're so lucky and glad to have you, Matthew Sullivan, on the show today to talk more about real estate and how to make money off your home equities with zero debt. That's an interesting topic, and we definitely want to dive in and meet Matthew and learn more about how he got from Virgin to real estate and why he built a home equity company that helps you guys, you know, especially in the single-family home sector, utilize your funding in your equity to get and do that with zero debt. Great. Welcome, Matthew. To our Thank show. you very much for having me on. Thank you. <laughs> nice. So, like, you know, how long have you been in real estate? Uh, well, I, um, I wished I'd been in real estate for a lot longer. Yeah. Um, so I moved to the U.S. seven years ago, um, and my sole intention then was to get involved with real estate because I'd been on the sidelines um, of you know property and real estate investing for so long, never really been involved other than as a, you know, uh, the owner of my own home. Um, so my, you know, the, the key objective, the, uh, the burning desire when I came over here um, was to um, immerse myself in real estate. And, um, you know, that's, that's pretty much what I did. You did a big change too. Like, you know, you're coming from Virgin and you're working alongside Richard Branson. How did you switch, uh, go from, you know, growing within his companies, growing, doing all these different special projects and running all these companies to switching over to real estate? Like, well, it's funny. Um, so, so I was, um, the involvement with Richard was, um, quite a while ago. It was a late nineties, which, yeah. um, gosh, that is a while ago now, isn't it? How it time flies. Um, and the way we got involved with him is really quite funny because uh, the my we had a small corporate finance company based in Kensington in London, and my boss, a guy called Rory McCarthy, who happened to have the world high altitude hang gliding and free fall record, so he jumped out of a hot air balloon at some ridiculous altitude, <laughs> um, and his um, big ambition was to fly around the world in a hot air balloon. Um, but you know, for some reason it became difficult to do. So we, we owned as a company Lindstrand balloons or a majority interest in Lindstrand balloons, which was this balloon company. So one day Rory, you know, wrote to Richard Branson, whose office was just up the road from us. And he said, dear Richard, um, you know, the global circumnavigation is the last great challenge. Mm. You know, we've been planning this, um, for a while. We have Lindstrand balloons. We've designed this balloon called a Derosia uh, design, which we think will take us around the world. We think you would be a great pilot. You know, would you like to come along? And Richard wrote back, "Dear Rory, why not?" So that's when you mentioned the global circumnavigation event uh, uh, challenge, global challenger. That's how it all began. And um, so, um, because of that, we became quite good friends with Richard, and uh, we became involved with. Uh, his corporate finance team, um, very much sort of working with him and some of his projects. And um, because of that, I became involved either directly or on the sidelines with a number of these great projects that you mentioned, such as Virgin Clothing and Virgin Cosmetics and Virgin Helicopters, which is where I learned to fly a helicopter. Oh, um, nice. And so those were great times. It, we probably worked with him for about two or three years. Um, and I think then we, uh, you know, went our separate ways, but it was, you know, it was a fantastic opportunity. And I just wish that I knew then what I know now, because, um, you know, it was uh, such a roller coaster ride, and there, um, and it was there was so much energy there, and there was so much can-do um, spirit that I think really continues today, um, you know, in the Virgin Group. I think, yeah, uh, definitely has. They have a lot of really good culture, really good spirit. Everything you see from them in touch, you feel the same vibe, and it's really fun and energetic. And are, did you bring that culture along with you when you started Quantum RE? Um, well, there was a bit of a gap. So um, I think it's difficult. I mean, the culture is really something that's, um, I like to think that there was always that spirit of sort of 
um, discovery and challenge and entrepreneurship, um, um, I always felt that there was this sort of burning desire to run my own businesses and be my own boss. And that was partly assisted by the fact that I was probably the most unemployable person in London at the time. Um, so if you add those two factors together, um, so I wouldn't um, presume to say that I brought such a magnificent culture along with me. Um, but I think that ability to um, to drive things forward and um, go out on a limb, even when everyone else is saying, you know, they don't fully understand what you're trying to achieve. And are you absolutely sure you should be doing this? Because yeah. it does seem rather, you know, <laughs> left field to put it mildly. Um, so there's that, that part I think is something that um, I hope I picked up and have continued with. Yeah, I think I think you definitely will. It takes time, and he has. I think he has such an extravagant personality that it just everyone feels that vibe, no matter where he's at. Yeah, and, and it's true. I mean, and, and working. I mean, I did have the real um, privilege of working closely with him. And again, I was in a. Um, uh, you know, I wasn't one of the decision makers, but I was close enough to those yeah. to those guys to be able to sort of bask in the reflected glory of what was happening. And exactly, you're, you're right. There is this effervescence and there is this can-do attitude um but it's measured and it's balanced with um real attention to detail and, and insight and um you know looking at all of the details of a particular opportunity so there's never this sort of uh, concept of you know jumping in feet first there's always this sort of measured um analysis that happens behind the scenes and when i was working there there were some of the cleverest and also scariest people i think i'd ever met uh, in terms of their intellectual firepower so uh, it was this you know fabulous balance of you know opportunity and analysis I think it's great always like, you know, you always want to work with the smartest, the best, the most brilliant and the people who are executing at a high level and to take that knowledge and, sh you know, share it and build your company upon it because you're going from a, you know, corporation company to starting your own company. And, you know, th for the project you're doing, the company you built, it actually takes a lot of work to get to where you're at because one thing you're taking from that real estate side is, you know, utilizing equity from people's houses to you know give the give that money back to the homeowner yes. utilize and share profit with them that's really hard because you need a lot of capital funding to do the, to run this right yeah i mean so we're sort of fast forwarding now to um really i'd say probably about five six years ago hmm. so here i am in the u.s um my first um, venture was to set up a crowdfunding company. So uh, when I arrived here, it was just after the Jobs Act had been passed by Barack Obama's mm -hmm. administration. Um, the Jobs Act created the ability for people to advertise investments online without the need for those investments to be a fully reporting company. So it was this ability to create the beginnings of crowdfunding. And obviously, since then, there have been a number of other developments um, which have given birth to what is now a, a billion-dollar-plus industry, which is the ability to raise investment and equity capital online. And so I was there at the beginning with a real estate platform that enabled people to buy into commercial real estate transactions. And by commercial, I mean transactions where we could raise capital to fund uh, lenders or to become a lender to people that were carrying out commercial developments. So I managed to find some really uh, great people who I'm still working with as my uh, sort of partners and uh, uh, you know friends today, seven, six, seven years on. Um, but when I was in that early stage, I stumbled across this concept of sharing in the equity of single-family owner-occupied homes. So the big difference is all of the investments that everyone was looking at was either rental properties or, or properties or, you know, talking about the residential sector, um, properties that you would own and you would rent out. So you would have all of the burden of ownership in terms of all of the cost, you know, the, the three or the four T's, toilets, termites, tenants and trash, you know, the <laughs> great favorites. Um, but this was a great concept um, because what it allowed investors to do is participate in the potential increase in value of a home that wasn't for sale. So 
think of all of those people that are owner occupiers. Those are the people that benefit when their homes go up in value. Think of all of the owners in, you know, the Bay Area or or all the other coastal Californian towns. Think of that equity appreciation. Imagine what it would be like if we could find a way to tap into that equity appreciation, but not have the burden of home ownership and not have the capital requirements for that. So that's why it was such a fascinating concept. Um, and funnily enough, shared equity has been around for about a decade. And there was a company in San Diego called uh, Equity Key that began this process of creating contracts that allowed you to buy into that potential equity appreciation. Um, and really since then, the market has developed um, really fast over the last three years in particular, uh, even, you know, during the, the sort of the, you know, 2020 um, sort of slowdown. Um, and I would forecast pretty much solidly hand on heart that in the next two to three years, this will become, will become um, almost a mainstream financial product that is an option for homeowners. So when you're looking as a homeowner to unlock your equity, you'll look at a reverse mortgage or a home equity line of credit or a mortgage or a home equity agreement. So that will be one of the sort of stabler products um, that will allow you to unlock equity. But the real benefit is that there's no debt. There are no monthly payments. There's no interest. So it's a, a very different animal. I think that's a great concept too. And I think many, like all of us need to be educated on all the different aspects of real estate, because when you think about it from a high level, there's so many different ways you can utilize, you know, financing debt, um, different st payment structures, different equity structures, and different ways to invest in real estate. And there's so many different processes. It's hard to, you know, quantify everything to have a team to surround yourself with, to analyze the best way to get returns. But I think through education and learning about your company, about uh, equity investments about how to unlock your potential equity it raises many um it raises the investment level because if you can find the ways to utilize taking the money out with zero debt and becoming an equity partner with them they can reutilize that cash flow of cash funding to invest it into other real estate as well right yeah i mean that's exactly the case so there are many use cases for um the cash that is unlocked um, and the critical difference with this and a debt product is it's not debt. <laughs> I don't mean to be you know, That's good. superficial there, but it's not a mortgage because it's not a loan of any kind. It does not appear on your credit report as a loan. It's not um, going to increase your debt to income ratio. So if you think about all of those factors, um, there are no monthly payments because our investors get paid by sharing in the potential increase in value when you sell your home. So the way these contracts work is it's an option agreement where the investor says, here's a lump sum in exchange for the right to participate in a share of the appreciation. So let's say you sell your home in five years time and your house has gone up in value we would like you to give us back our original investment and we'd like you to give us a share of the amount that your house has gone up in value. Now, that return on investment gives the investors a good, solid asset-backed real estate asset um, with a return profile that can be a multiple of the underlying house price index. So they get a good return. The homeowner gets a good deal because they get a capital sum which is tax deferred. So there's no income or capital gains tax payable there and then. It's deferred until you sell the property. And they can use the capital for whatever purpose they want. So your point about taking money out of your home equity and diversifying that capital by putting it into other instruments or other real estate develop, um, projects, that's a great idea because all of the investment theses tell us not to concentrate all of our wealth in one asset. And that's what most people do. I think the figures are astonishing where uh, something like 73% of everyone's wealth is locked up in their home. So on one hand, we're saying diversify and cash flow. But on the other hand, hang on, most of my wealth is actually trapped in the bricks and mortar of my of my home. So if we can unlock some of that equity without the burden of monthly payments, use that as a down payment on another property that 
that can be used to generate cash flow. And that property could be an ADU. You could build a granny flat in your backyard in Los Angeles. Um, and knowing the prices of properties in Los Angeles, you could probably get a thousand square foot ADU and rent it out for, I don't know, $5,000 a month or something. <laughs> you know, you can get some real solid returns. You're diversifying out of your asset, no monthly payments. The investor wins because they get an upside on the home equity. And you, the homeowner, you win because you've got a cash lump sum that you can use to generate mailbox money or to diversify your portfolio, uh, again, without the burden of additional debt. That is a great way to do it. And I think, you know, what people need to do, homeowners need to do is, you know, realize and look at all the different ways to use your funding and your equities and your properties to invest in real estate and to build that, you know, equity, build the properties, you know, the unit count up. And it takes a tremendous amount of work. But when you start analyzing different structures, you can see the potential of what you can do and find the best way to create return on investment. And I think this is a great way as well. There's so many different ways, but this is a great way as well, because if you can run the numbers and it makes financially sense for you and your property and what you're investing in, then why not take it, right? Because exactly. you know, having a zero debt, especially from the lending perspective, like I used to be a lender too, and having a lender perspective without increasing your debt to income ratios or your loan to value, because you're becoming a equity partner in the house, meaning you own part of the house. Um that you don't have that debt added on. So then they have more buying power to go buy another. That's another the point. Exactly. I mean, a critical point though, is that with a home equity agreement, we mm -hmm. do not go on title as a co-owner. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that people will ask. So you're going to come and camp out in my spare room. <laughs> it's no, because it's an agreement that um, it's an option. It sits parallel to your home ownership. So you as the homeowner, you maintain all your rights and privileges of home, home ownership. So we don't, it's not a tenancy in common. We don't sit on title as an owner. The agreement is protected by a lien on title, similar to a mechanics lien or a, a lender's lien. Um, so similar sort of um, a language to a, a trust deed. Um, but what that enables you as a homeowner to do is know that property taxes aren't going to be revalued. There's no change of ownership. It's not going to accelerate um, your your loans uh, or your your existing mortgages. Um, so it is it is very flexible. Nice. So let's look into that too. Let's talk about the whole structure, how how it all works, and why it makes sense for. Um, as an option for homeowners to do that in comparison to, you know, for example, a loan, a refinance, a cash out, home equity line of credit versus, you know, your, your method, right? Well, I think that's, the answer is yes and no. Mm -hmm. So the answer is um, yes, you should absolutely look at this um, as an option, but remember it's not debt. Mm -hmm. So you, you've got to be careful to compare apples with apples because yeah. this is an equity investment. So the pricing is very different. Exactly. Um, and if you look at the pure cost of capital, uh, a low interest rate mortgage or home equity line of credit is always going to be cheaper. I mean, I say always, but you know, mm -hmm. most cases it's going to be cheaper. So cost of capital is always going to be lower um, if you take out some form of loan. Now, having said that, the downside to a loan increases your debt to income ratio. Do you qualify for that loan? What if you've got equity, but you don't have the right credit score or you don't have the right income? Can you borrow money? So in many cases, you could say, if we compare this with a loan, it's more expensive. But hang on, I can't actually get a loan. So that makes that agreement moot to a certain extent. So for all those people that don't want debt, so there, there are people that cannot borrow money because they don't meet the bank's requirements, or they simply don't want to borrow money. So in other words, I've paid off my mortgage or I've paid down my mortgage. I'm retired. I don't want that burden of monthly payments. I don't want that um, you know, sort of thing, that axe hanging over my head, thinking if I miss this payment, you know, the bank could come in and foreclose. Um, so I think it's great that we compare these different um, funding mechanisms, but remember they can work together. So you can have a home equity agreement and a mortgage and a home equity line of credit. So they're not mutually exclusive. Uh, so it's not like a reverse mortgage where you can only have a reverse mortgage and no other loans. You can use a home equity agreement for 
short-term capital. There's no minimum period. So you could take out an agreement, we could fund it, and then three or four weeks later, you could pay us back. So there's no minimum requirement. There's no early payment penalties. So it can be a very flexible add-on. Um, and my last point, sorry, um, oh, is yeah. that uh, it's very similar to a lot of the equities, equity-based funding options that are available in the commercial world. So in commercial funding, you have all sorts of flavors of debt, you know, junior debt, senior debt, mezzanine, shared appreciation mortgages, and you have all sorts of equity products. So you've got equity, you've got senior equity, you've got preferred equity. Um, and what we're doing is taking some of those funding mechanisms that are prevalent in the commercial world and really just using them and, and uh, creating them through a contract that makes it relevant and applicable to a residential home. I think, you know, this definitely is going to make the audience think about like, there's so many different ways to structure the, your investments, right? So your real estate, even if it's primary home, it's still an investment. You're Absolutely. trying to figure out how to unlock the funds to utilize it to create more further investments, especially if you're creating passive income streams, right? So looking at this one structure, it, it pops in my head. If I have a primary loan in my house and I decide, hey, I want to, you know, to use your company to get extra equity what happens if i take the equity from you today and then you're not entitled and you're not alone and you're we're partnering together on the equity you have an option for the property but then tomorrow i decide hey i want to get home equity line of credit how does that tie into your with your company or how does it conflict well again because we're an equity mm -hmm. uh, we have an equity interest mm -hmm. so if you increase the leverage on your home that runs the risk of eating into our equity interest because yep. um if you have a mortgage let's say and the mortgage is 50 percent loan to value so you've got 50 percent equity and let's say we take out a home equity agreement representing 20 percent of the value of the home so your combined lean to value is 70%, which is 50% with the loan and 20% with us. Now, if you take out a, a home equity line of credit for, let's say, 40% of the value of your home, your loan to value goes up to 90%. But hang on a second. You know, if you look at your combined lean to value, it's 110. So that's going to eat into our equity position. So yeah. that's something that we wouldn't allow. And the good thing about being a lean holder is that that we're, we're there. And part of the terms and conditions are that you cannot increase the leverage on your home without our approval, because okay. we're, we're there. Even though we're not an owner, we now have an interest in the equity. So we need to protect that interest, as you would you know, rightfully imagine. Exactly. So that's something, you know, people want to be aware of how to utilize it. What can you do and not do? And let's say another example, let's say, for example, today I have a rate at 3.5% and you're a partner with me now in equity. And tomorrow I want to refinance and the options, the loan is 3%. So it's decreasing, right? Your rate. And that's a benefit to you guys. Um, you guys will probably approve that. Yes, right. definitely. But the difference yeah. there with refinancing, that's different because you're not increasing the amount of debt. Yeah. Um, so um, you would just need a, a letter from us, um, a waiver effectively, because we'd be playing musical chairs with the liens when you refinance um, the property. So again, uh, there's no reason in most cases why we would ever um, not approve that because again, it's best for both of us, but there's a little exactly. bit of paperwork that we need to do just to make sure that the, the new lender uh, is in first position. Yeah. So, you know, being that a lender is in first position, they're most likely going to do the loan. Is there ever any time it comes up when a you know owner wants to refinance the house and not increase the debt, but they want to refinance? Does a lender take a look at your company and the documentation, even though you're second position or optioned? Um, do they have any questions to that? And do they? Well, again, we come across that um, very rarely, but again, because it's an equity instrument, yeah. yep. um, there's no risk of foreclosure from our side. Uh, and all the banks are really concerned about is, uh, are they in a position to protect their, their loan? Um, now, because of our um, equity, um, our sort of, you know, loan to value requirements, the homeowner will always have, uh, when we finished our agreement, around, you know, 10, 20, possibly more percent equity still in the property. So one of the big differences with this and lending is that we don't increase the leverage um, and we only work with homeowners that have significant equity to start with. So we take some of the potential increase in value, but the homeowner always has um, a bit of equity left over. So they've always got that 
um, that motive to, you know, to look after the property. So it's not like, um, you know, years ago when we would do large mortgages and homeowners would just be able to hand the keys back because they had no vested interest. Yeah. Now, because of that, so the lenders are saying, I've got lots of coverage. This is an equity based instrument. The homeowner's still motivated, so you know we're we're still good to go. So we haven't come across any issues with first lenders um, or first position lenders who um, you know are looking to refinance. Nice, that definitely helps a lot too, um, because of the equity involved and the you're targeting a you know a, com- a property that has higher equity, so you're reducing the risk for all parties, anyways, rather than taking a property that has like almost no equity or really minimal. Yeah, and from a bank's perspective, our home equity agreements also reduce the risk for them because we're not increasing the the lending or the the loans against the property so by providing the homeowner with cash that actually puts the homeowner in a stronger position which means they're much more likely to be able to afford to make the payments and this is relevant right now because of uh, forbearance so we know that millions of people have gone into forbearance um, really because of the impact of the pandemic and because of the pressure on their cash flow. Now, one of the problems with forbearance is that what you're doing is you're really kicking the can down the road in terms of payments. So at some point, and I know it's just been extended for another three months, at some point, the banks are going to say, um, you, you've got to pay us the amount that you've uh, the, the, the amount of uh, forbearance because forbearance just means we've delayed it we haven't forgiven it we haven't you know, you know we haven't modified your mortgage so a number of things will happen the banks will either tack that onto the end of the mortgage there'll be some kind of um you know mortgage modification lots of costs lots of paperwork but for people that want to pay off the forbearance home equity agreements are a great, a great way of doing that because you're not borrowing money you can get a lump sum you can use that to to get current with your mortgage you cannot refinance your existing mortgage if you're in forbearance so so this is a good way of getting you back you know on your own sort of back on your two feet as it were um getting you cash getting the cash so that you can get current and you can then go go about uh, taking advantage of these lower interest rates that's actually a good option and point because, for example, let's say that you have a good equity in your house, you just lost your job, so you can't really refinance now, and you can't pay the current loan, so you're doing forbearance. But you know that the equity is there. You know you believe that the property is going to contain the same equity value over the next five years, for example. Yes. And your job is you're finding a job right now. You're good, you know, good employee, good income. So, for example, if they did share equity with you, they can take the cash now, get rid of the forbearance, keep staying current while having the equity, having the property, paying off, paying monthly bills now, and then getting a job again uh, yes. once the market picks up. Absolutely. And, and all we're doing, all that homeowner is doing is using their own wealth. Mm-hmm. What they're doing is they're tapping into money that's already theirs through this instrument that allows them to get cash without debt and without monthly payments. Now, to be able to use that to repair your credit score, to be able to get out of forbearance, to have the cash so that you can weather the financial storm for the next few months while you get another job. Um and knowing that you can come out of this with your credit score intact, with all your payments up to date, uh, you can then borrow money because if you get back into employment and your credit score is where it needs to be, the chances are very high that you'll be able to borrow money. So you could, if you wanted to, buy back the agreement so you wouldn't have the home equity agreement. You could swap it for a for a normal loan. So what some people do is use these home equity agreements as a way of getting themselves out of a bit of a tight spot when no other lender will actually help them. And then it allows them to recover their position. Um, and as we say, get cash, get current, get comfortable. Um, but there are so many people that are in this unfortunate position because of the economic pressures that we've felt and continue to feel uh, because of the impact of the pandemic. And another idea just came to mind, for example, and for example, I like to run everything on spreadsheets and analyze all the numbers and details to calculate it because it's a business, it's an investment. It's not just up my house, right? For me, yes. it's an investment. So one thing I just thought of, for example, let's say this, let's say your house is worth $1.5 million or $2 million, doesn't matter, right? And let's say your current loan is seven seventy five, dollars and you know that's a jumbo loan right now for a property, but you want to go to a conforming loan. And let's just give you a, a random number. Let's say the number is 700000 to be easy. Yeah. So if I took a shared equity and I took $75,000 from you because my, my equity is huge, right? For example, one point five. 
and you took like whatever dollar you wanted, but you used 75,000 to pay down yes. your current mortgage to get to the rate. And let's say your current rate was 3.25, 3.5. And if you refinance that right now, because the market's so good, yes. they offer you a 2.75% rate. Yep. You're actually going to save there and take that calculation of how much do you save per month? Utilize that refinance with a, the first loan and yep. utilize the equity to pay for that refinance while still keeping some of the cash reserve you want refinance. And then you know, you're going to save X amount, but now you have this much extra equity in cash to use. You can either choose the option to pay you guys back and whatever fee that is associated with it. Is that more beneficial now? Well, I think that the answer is really, um, it, it's an absolute equation. So in other words, um, you can calculate this, um, and you can make an informed decision whether or not this works for you or not. And the great thing about these types of products um, is that uh, you can model out what your cost of capital is um, and, you know, what the advantages are and what the likely payback you know, cost is going to be. And remember, you're, you're looking at um, other benefits. For example, you have a conforming loan, you have a lower interest rate you have the benefit of having lower monthly payments today. And the question then is how much of a financial benefit is that to you, but also how much, are, you know, what other benefits does that do to you? How does that help you in terms of your peace of mind? How does that help you in terms of, um, you know, your, your quality of life? The fact that that extra, you know, thousand dollars a month, for example, that could make a real difference. Um, and in exchange for that, what you've done is really just given away the potential appreciation of a small part of the equity going forwards. So you're still going to have the bulk of the growth of your, your property. That's going to go to you. A percentage of the increase in value will go to us as the return on investment. And, and that sort of leads us on to another issue, really, or another question, which is that the biggest um, objection people have to home equity agreements is conceptually, they find it difficult um, to want to share in the appreciation of their home. In other words, people are greedy. They're saying, well, okay, um, you want some of what I might have in the future in exchange for a sum of cash today. Um, and we're saying, well, yes, you have the, the value of the money today. You can do something with it right now with no monthly payments. And people are sort of scratching their beards saying, um, assuming they have beards, and they can say, well, but but I'm giving away all of this. And the answer is yes, potentially. So there's risk there. So it is a conceptual challenge. It's a psychological challenge that we have more than anything else. People getting used to the fact that the the potential future value. And I think what's happened with um, the pandemic is people are now realizing that, you know, everything isn't quite as straightforward as one would imagine. And, um, you know, property values don't always go up and things don't always go according to plan. So mm -hmm. it has made more people think, you know, perhaps I should take some chips off the table in terms of the home equity. So that's made it better for us in being able to articulate this and get people to understand that, um, you know, the world doesn't always travel in straight lines. Very true. And I think one thing too is, yeah, it, there is risk, there is reward too. So you have to think about both sides, just because the house might have equity in the future, you know, even quantum R, you might not know what happens if it goes down, they actually go down with you. Exactly. Right? And so, they don't, people don't think about that though. They think about the upside. They don't think about the downside. And yeah, I mean, and again, that is that's yeah. that, that's a common thread throughout the decades and the millennia, I think. Um, but because it's an equity-based agreement, we do, as investors, run the risk of potentially getting back less than we invested. Um, I mean, your house would have to fall significantly. Um, there are protections that we put in place in the agreement. So um, when we value the home, in some cases, we'll build in a little bit of a discount just to give us some sort of baked in uh, returns in case your property does go down in value. Um, but yeah, there is, you know, there is that risk. And, and again, when people realize that this is more of a of a partnership than it is a, you know, like, like with a loan, then that does, you know, help them feel more comfortable. Yeah. And I think it, once people start understanding it and they're taking it from an investment perspective, I understand because it's a primary home. So primary home, you have that just emotional attachment. It's my primary home. Exactly. I'm hoping to make a lot of money from it. I'm hoping not to lose money from it. 
But if you take both sides of it as investment plus a primary home, and you you figure out what's the best situation for your family and how to utilize funding um, equity and how do you keep investing and building the wealth, then you can calculate it and say, hey, this makes the most sense for me. And work with a team, of course, your CPAs, your agents, your investors, your lenders, right? And home equity companies to see which is the best strategy for what you're trying to do. And to achieve great results and to build up faster, you got to find ways to, to leverage better and take it as a calculated risk to grow. It is. And again, just to give you some idea of scale, I mean, home equity is not a niche business. I mean, it's a $15 trillion asset class. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you look at the amount of equity in residential homes, you know, there's literally trillions and trillions of dollars of it sitting there. Yeah. And not all of it is accessible because some of it, you know, the loan to values are too high or the properties are not the right size. And and this is still a growing industry, but um, it is a, it is an, I wouldn't say overlooked. It's an untapped asset class because historically people, um, the only way you can unlock equity is through debt. Now, because this is beginning to change, as I said at the beginning, this will become a really useful tool for all homeowners to consider alongside other options. And the great thing is, imagine if only a small percentage of that $15 trillion asset class works its way back into the economy. And again, it's not debt, so it's not leveraged money. It's, It's assets that's moving from equity um, back into the economy. I mean, that's that's got to be good for uh, for the economy generally. Yeah, I believe there's a lot of untapped equity, and that's a great word, untapped, right? And figuring out how to utilize that. And let's talk about this. Like, think of the different different ways to invest in real estate. And we'll put a disclaimer here. You know, definitely talk to your professional about how to do this. You know, your CPAs, your lawyers, your tax attorneys, everybody on how to do this. But some things I hear in my industry in real estate and some clients I know and other uh, agents just talk about is that, hey, can, have, we, have we ever thought about doing this? What if you took a home equity line of credit or a shared equity, you take that money out and you reinvested it in a higher growth safe it might be safe too for for example let's say some people at at a certain age might say hey i'm going to take that equity and use it for increasing my values in my 401k to accelerate it as one option i'm going to increase my mutual funds my whole, whole life insurance i'm going to raise in um accelerate my whole life insurance so that way in the future i can pop it or i can um diverse out of it right and have a tax benefit from that but talk to your insurance person talk to your cpa about that and that's greater than the cost of the equity and it's untapped and it's not um exactly. there's no mortgage on it you can use it that way too and the answer is yes this is absolutely right and it's without reservation so in other words there is no you know there is no um sort of gotcha there's no um sort of hidden traps here it's a mathematical equation is your cost of funding going to be less or more than the amount that you will make if you reinvest this capital? Now, you know, past performance is not an indication of future performance. We know that. But if you look back at what some of these ETFs and mutual funds have done over the last 12 months in terms of their performance, Mm -hmm. that probably would have significantly outperformed the cost of capital that, that, that it would have been had you taken out. And I know hindsight and 2020 hindsight is a wonderful thing, but um, the biggest difference is we're not suggesting that you borrow money to invest. And that's something that is clearly, um, you know, never a good idea. <laughs> but if you are simply moving money from one asset into another, where that other asset may give you a better return, you're achieving diversification you're creating cash flow from an otherwise non-cash flowing asset you're creating liquidity because you invest if you invest in instruments that are tradable then you have the ability to get your hands on that cash quickly so there are a number of benefits and again you can model this out um, and from an investment perspective you can decide if you factor in all of the tax benefits as well, the fact that you're using hundred cent dollars when if you were to sell your property, you might have a capital gains tax liability. So you've got use of hundred cent dollars right now. Um, it's a great way of using the wealth that you have trapped in your home equity to your benefit that gives you control without the burden of debt 
or additional monthly payments. Exactly. And I know that's a lot to think about too. It's like, what's the best way to, for me? And it's tough because there's no best way. It just, what's the right one for you? And what's your calculated risk to do it? Or for example, if you say, I'm just going to leave all the equity here to sit on it. And then later I'll sell it. You might pay capital gains if you're going over the exemptions in the U S um, and then, okay, do I tend to want to change out, but I need to rent it out first. There's so many different ways to do things. It's just figuring out what's the best strategy and what your goal is to get there. Right. And even people, other options would be too. Let's say I took I took my equity money and I wanted to reinvest into syndications, right? Real estate investing, passive investing. I can yeah. put it there too. You get tax benefits there. You get a K one. You're doing passive manage uh, passive investments, and you're getting a good return, probably, right? Yes. And again, but what we're saying is that that's the other side of the equation. What that we're is. saying is what we're saying here is here is a way of getting that initial capital without without the debt burden now what you do with it um there's a whole bunch of different uh, options that, that are available to you but um the big difference is now you've got the ability to get your hands on some pretty significant capital i mean we will invest um up to half a million dollars i mean the average caps out at about 350 but you know on an exception we'll go up to half a million dollars so if you've got a property that's uh, you know, with enough value, um, we could write you a check for half a million dollars with no monthly payments. Um, and with that sort of investment, you can start generating, you know, you know, there's the potential for scale there. Um, and um, the big difference is that what's new today is that that money comes without the sort of the debt burden attached. That's, that's what's new. So let's talk about uh, quantum RE and like, how, let's say, talk about like, how do people get started? How do they go about it and then talk about the pros and cons of it and who is it best utilized for? Well, the, the process, we're trying to make the process as simple as possible. It's all um, really the initial applications online. So if you go to our website, which is quantumre.com, there's a calculator there that gives you a, an, a, a rough idea about what we could potentially invest. Um, and, and then it gets you know, sort of rather manual in the sense that we like to speak to people and explain to them how it works. Um, but the rest of the application process is all online. Um, it doesn't take anywhere near as much brain damage to do this as it would to take out an existing loan, because we don't, in some cases, even need uh, proof of income if you've got enough equity. The minimum credit score is around 550. So there is a credit score requirement. That's really to make sure that we're not embarking on a journey which could end up um, in, in something sort of rather untoward. Um, but uh, aside from that, it's all pretty much based on the equity of your home. We don't invest everywhere. We operate in 19, 20 states at the moment. And um, so we'll tell you very quickly without needing to do a credit score whether your property will pre-qualify. So we can get you um, on, on the road pretty quickly. Um, in terms of pros and cons, uh, again, it's really everything that we do is based on you having a fully the ability to make a fully informed decision so all of the costs charges uh, and likely repayment costs are identified very clearly at the beginning before you even embark on looking at agreements um, and what that allows you to do is say um, or make that decision based on facts so um an informed decision is critical. So in other words, if you imagine your house goes up to this figure in five years time, then we will tell you that this is how much you will need to pay us back if you sell your home. So there are, there's, um, everything is as transparent and, uh, you know, clearly defined as possible. Um, the only con, uh, really is, again, coming back to this sort of psychological attachment people have um, to equity. What you're doing is you are paying for the money that we give you by sharing in some of your potential increase in value. Um, we can identify what that percentage is. We can't tell you what the value of your house is going to be. Um, I don't think anyone can, um, but we can give you an approximate value, um, what we think it might be based on current forecasts. And you can then decide if you think that's that's you know an, 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 an appropriate amount to pay. Um, but the important thing is that you make the decision, you go into this with your eyes open. You can, um, even though I, I don't like to talk about this, you can 
get off the bus at any point. So in other words, you don't have a commitment once you start the process. Uh, in most cases, you don't even have any out-of-pocket expenses. So, you know, we may um, stump up for the cost of an appraisal and the contract may not go ahead, in which case we suffer that loss. So it's very much weighted in favor of the homeowner. Um, and um, it does give them the ability to, if they want to get involved, they have all the facts and figures at their fingertips and they can make that, you know, critical informed decision then. Nice. I like the fact that you're, you know, weighing heavily on the homeowner to make it favorable, especially at the start, because it's a new journey, it's a new process for them to get to get comfortable with the situation. And especially you're paying for the appraisal, you're doing application, they don't have to move forward, they have the option to learn, figure out if it's the right strategy for them. Uh, so let's go through a couple questions about that too. Let's say, okay, right now, um, just easy numbers. I have a million dollar property. I have $500,000 equity. Um, and you're going to be an equity partner with me. What kind of um, partnership percentage are you looking for? Well, I'll give you a, um, there are a number of different programs. So there are mm -hmm. programs that operate over 10 years and programs that operate over 30 years. So I'll give you an approximate example yeah. for um, a 30 year program. Um, and uh, that's a, a share. So your million dollar home, let's say we want to unlock 10% of the value of your home, which is okay. $100,000. Um, so um, the investors will provide you with that capital. Now, you will, um, there are charges, uh, there is an initial administration fee, which is around 3%. And there are other costs that will come out of that $100,000. So the first thing is you will net, you'll receive about ninety-five dollars to $96,000. Okay. Um, Next question is, how much do I need to repay? Mm -hmm. If you, um, let's say your home goes up from a million to $1.1 million over a couple of years or so, when you sell your home, or if you decide to refinance, then we would get back our original $100,000 investment together with a share of the appreciation. Now, the share of the appreciation is very much dependent on the amount that we originally invest. So because we invested 10% of the current value of your home, normally we would multiply that by three. So we would then share in 30% of the increase in value. Yeah. So that multiple gives us a bit of a, uh, an extra boost on that additional risk. So in that situation, if you sell the home for 1.1, we would get back our $100,000 together with 30% of the increase in value. Okay. Now, one other important point is if your house does not go up in value, then the investor runs the risk of not making any money. So that's obviously not attractive to an investor. So to prevent that from happening or to build in some sort of upside for the investor, what we will do in most cases is apply a discount to the current value of your home. So we'll start, start the clock running at a slightly lower figure. Now that discount can be around 15 to 20% in some cases, depending on underwriting. So we would start the value of your home at around, let's say 800 to 850,000. So any increase in value over and above that figure, we would get a share of that. Okay. The final piece of the puzzle is in order to make it fairer for the homeowner, what we apply is a cap on the amount of return that the investor can make. So if your property significantly increases in value, in most cases, um, during the early years, there's a cap on the maximum return that we can make. So that means that uh, even if your house is appreciated significantly, we wouldn't actually get our full share of the 30%. That's sort of throttled back. And in some cases, the maximum return can be, you know, 12% a year, that sort of figure. So what we do is we share in the, the appreciation. We apply in most cases a cap to the return that we can make to make it fair for you. And we say that you can sell your home or buy back the agreement at any point without penalty. So you're always free to sort of um, to, to take back the agreement if you wanted to um, with some external external capital. Nice. I like that. I can envision my head right now in a spreadsheet in my head right now. I have going. So for example, you're basically running 
as example, a 70-30 split on the equity upside with a cap of about 12%. So you put that in your spreadsheet, calculate your number starting at a million dollars, for example, you know the appraisal value, for example, is going to be approximately $15,000, 15% less. So they have the built-in in case of uh, the market goes down and crashes, right? Yep. So then they, they have that, but that's a part of your risk and part of your reward because if the market does go down, they're eating it with you, right? So that's exactly. great. And if you're going and you're going to gain a lot of equity and you think it's going to grow greater than that 30%, they still have a cap and you're taking this much money to borrow. And hopefully when you use that money to borrow, you're doing something better with it. Exactly. So the conversation then is really, well, what are we going to do with that hundred thousand dollars? Yeah. You know, and can we, um, you know, if we invest that wisely, can we outpace what we think the cost of that capital is going to be? Yeah. And that's, and that's, and, and that's the great thing. You don't have to factor in monthly payments. You don't have to factor in what happens if I put it in a non cash flowing investment and I can't meet the monthly payments. Well, the answer is it doesn't matter because there aren't any monthly payments. Yeah. So that's, that's where the benefits kicking. That's where it becomes uh, you know, interesting and exciting. Yeah. Cause that, that non monthly payment is actually a value you have to calculate in as a benefit to yourself too. Exactly. It's the, it's the, it's the, not only the financial cost, but it's the ability for you to invest in instruments that don't have a cash pay because you haven't got that additional burden to meet. So normally if you've got a, a loan, you think, well, I'm only going to invest in dividend paying stocks or in, in some kind of, um, you know, cash flowing uh, equity instrument or cash cash flowing um, uh, investment instrument, because I can't afford to go just for an equity investment because how am I going to fund those monthly payments? So that that makes and one that, thing to uh, look at too is that okay, all of us wish our houses increased thirty percent every every year. It just it's not going to right. Even next five years, you don't know how much you'll appreciate. But you know, let's say appreciate zero percent, you're getting the benefit of this uh, to utilize shared equity. And let's say within the next five years, just an example, you gain zero percent. That means you got to leverage borrow all this money. You could utilize it any way you wanted. And that if your house you sold it and you made zero equity. There's no, there's no additional cost to you except for the initial payment. And, you know, if you're taking in the calculation of, of the 15% in the beginning. Exactly. That's right. So there's, there is a cost, but the great thing is you can model this. So yeah. when you go through the application process, you can say, well, what is it going to cost me if my house doesn't go up in value? Mm -hmm. It's still, there's still going to be a return to the investors. Remember, because we've built in that discount. Yep. So we're going to get a share of the appreciation from that sort of discounted amount. Yeah. But again, your house hasn't gone up in value, but guess what? You've had use of that hundred thousand dollars and you've really made that work for you. And it's liquid cash. That's the best thing is that it's there. It's something that you have control over. So if an opportunity now, if your house doesn't go up in value, it's because there's something happening in the real estate market. Mm -hmm. Now, if you've got cash in a falling market, that's a, that's a good place to be. Um, and if you've got unlevered cash, that's even better. And I think one thing that you mentioned earlier was the benefit of it. Let's say for people who need it, people who are in forbearance, people who have a loss of job, but have good equity, this is definitely something they could consider if it makes sense for them. Absolutely. But having the option to do that and not having to refinance because you can't, you can't qualify all these other loan issues and criteria, then this is a, another good opportunity to you know look into. It is. And again, you know, let's not underestimate the cost of credit cards. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, if, you know, with with a lot of these cards, particularly if you start getting behind, um, you know, the the interest rates are, you know, the early 20s in, in many cases. And that's yeah. a lot of money. That's more um, than the company. You know, if you, if you can sort of stick your finger in the dam and, and you know, and um, uh, head, you know, stop that as soon as possible, then um, it doesn't take much. Um, in terms of calculations to say, if I'm saving 25% a year on my money, you know, that's a good thing. And it helps your credit, but also it's the psychological impact of being able to sleep at night, knowing that you've actually got the money to get through the next few months. And the reason you've got that is because you've grown that money in the equity in your home. It's your money. And that's what we always try and stress is we're giving you access to your capital. Um, you know, it's money that is your personal wealth. This is a, a way of unlocking that. Let's go the opposite route. What happens if I never until I die? Well, again, the, the, the programs last for up to 30 years. So and you've got, a, you've got a long runway. Um, yeah. And um, what those 
the, the programs are also in many cases transferable. So um, it's not like a reverse mortgage where when the last remaining so, sort of, you know, uh, signatory to the mortgage passes or moves out, then the reverse mortgage has to be paid off. Uh, you can transfer these agreements um, through the inheritance process to the successors. Um, so they can acquire, so, you know, like a, um, you know, parents can pass it on to their children through through their wills. And as long as it's less than 30 years, but at the end of the 30 year period, the, you know, the, the loan or not the loan, the, here we go. <laughs> so, the equity, the equity, sure, equity. Yes. I have sort of, you know, tripped up myself um the amount the the investment the the contract um does need to be settled so that obligation crystallizes at the 30-year mark or when you sell the property um and again it, in many cases it does crystallize when the last signatory to the agreement passes unless they've put in a provision to enable that to transfer to the uh, to the to the to their heirs okay. but at the end of that 30-year period yep you know um you would need to either sell your home or to find a way to buy that agreement back. If your property has enough equity, it is possible that you could open a, or, or take out another home equity agreement. Mm -hmm. I, I certainly wouldn't um, like to forecast what the financial product portfolio availability is like in 30 years time yeah <laughs> but i'm sure there's going to be lots of flexibility then to be able to um you know do that's if homes still exist in 30 years you know yeah. well i'll be on mars by then don't worry uh, if we haven't all moved to mars exactly yeah, living exactly. in, yeah, in, in muskville <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you can always for example at the end of 30 year mark you would most likely refinance cash out pay this loan off by then anyway or pay this equity well, you, off by then. plenty of time to figure out what you're going to do basically that's that's the good news yeah, that, that is nice too. So that's definitely a way to, a good structure to way to do that. And a really definitely good options in that. It's a lot of valuable information here and people should re-listen to this carefully and like look at the different options you can do and definitely speak to your team about it, your CPAs, your lawyers, your attorneys, right? And your tax attorneys and figure out what's the best strategy for you. Talk to Matthew about it and see the options, right? Yeah, exactly. And also um, a lot of CPAs, a lot of attorneys haven't come across this. So the only caveat is um, they, there is a natural, um, uh, I saw, uh, you know, professionals who haven't seen this do tend to be quite um, skeptical mm -hmm. because they think it's something that it's not. So all I would say is to the professionals out there, take a moment to look at how these agreements are structured um, and how the decision really is, all about whether or not that person wants to, um, you know, go ahead with the agreement based on what the likely cost of capital is and, and the benefits. So, um, all I would say is, you know, you know, when you're looking at this from a CPA's perspective, um, look at it. At, take a moment to understand what the contract is and how it works and how, if uh, you know, if the homeowner has no other option and does not want to borrow money or cannot borrow money, how this can really be a, a life-changing, uh, you know, uh, program, um, you know, without that, um, you know, without, without, without potentially a huge price to pay. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think something, even another example is, you know, there's people talk about deferred sales trust, ADST, not Delaware state trust, a deferred sales trust. That's an option. They've been doing for many thousands of transactions. They have all these people, they talk about it all the time. Not everyone is aware of it. Not everyone agrees or understands, but it's an option, right? It's something mm -hmm. people, all of us need to look into our options and to figure out with the right team, which makes sense for us. And it, we're just opening up different options for people to. And, 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 and again, and this is why what you're doing is so great because um, for us, education is really what it's all about. Exactly. Uh, because there are so many different ways of uh, financing what is a very valuable asset. And that is the equity in your home, you know, whether it's a, a DST, as you say, or whether or not it's um, the types of you know equity programs that we run. Um, it, it's just, you know, people tend to be very narrowly focused mm -hmm. because that's how they've been brought up. That's what they've learned from their friends and parents. But the moment you step into the bigger world and you start looking as, as people really should at what the other options are there are so many different ways of uh you, you know of, of solving problems and that's that's why it's, it's such a great um asset class it's such a great universe to, to be in 
Yeah, I think the the point of our, like our podcast is always talking about education, creating opportunities, and figuring out different ways that you can utilize in, uh, strategies for investing. And I think a lot of uh, companies, a lot of people might only say one way is because they're used to it. It's to what they know, what they've been doing for years, what they grew up with. Even in my family, we grew up with certain way: buy your houses, keep your houses forever, keep putting yes. paying it down for and u- utilizing zero equity. Right? Yes. It doesn't mean that's the best way. It just means the way you're growing up with. But the real opportunity is learning how to utilize all different options and figuring out what's the best for you to maximize your potential based on your risk calculation. Exactly. That's what it comes down to really. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Perfect. I want to, you know, thank you so much for being on our show and, you know, I want to ask how do people reach out to you? How do they learn more about getting started and, you know, go from there? Thank you. Well, again, thank you again for, for bringing me on. It's been really my pleasure. And, um, the best way to contact us is through the website. So it's quantumre, Q-U-A-N-T-M-R-E.com. Um, and we have a downloadable guide. We have a calculator there. Um, and again, we are behind the website. So, you know, reach out to us through email. There's a phone number there. There are copious human beings sitting behind that website, um, you know, and, uh, you know, give us a call or if you've got any questions, you know, send us an email um, and, and, you know, we'd love to tell you for your personal circumstances, how it would work um, and, uh, you know, g- give you some more information so that you can make that, um, you know, informed decision. Great. I appreciate you being on the show, Matthew. Everyone out there, be sure to check out our podcast, The Truth About Real Estate, events and more at matthewmod.com and on Apple Podcasts. And we'll see you guys in the next one. Have a great day. Thank you.